Welcome to the We Include podcast, folks, where we introduce the newest diversity and inclusion solutions in the market and talk to founders who, like me, think that businesses for good are good business. I am your host, Juana Erdekescu, and today we're here to discover about something truly fascinating. We're joined by Charlie Perman, CEO of Kin from London. Kin is all about immersive training for diversity, equality, and inclusion, and the tech we're about to explore is truly cutting edge. It uses the latest in neuroscience and virtual reality to give us all a new perspective and really go beyond the traditional awareness training. Keen's VR embodiment technology helps individuals experience diverse and unique viewpoints, which ultimately improve behaviors and increases feelings of inclusion. We're talking deeper empathy, more confidence, and a true sense of happiness. Mel Slater and Mavi Sanchez are the top scientists doing groundbreaking work behind Keen. They're bringing meaningful change to organizations worldwide, and I am thrilled to share this enlightening conversation with Charlie. So brace yourself, folks. We are talking diverse and inclusive workplaces, the science of empathy, and so much more. Hello, Charlie. Welcome to We Include. How are you? Hi, Rana. Yeah, very well, thanks. Do very well indeed. Uh, it's an honor to meet you uh, for this edition. I've, I've talked to some people in your organization and I was very, very impressed with what Kin is doing and very excited to have the, the man of the hour, somebody who's actually pushing this project through different borders, different organizations. And I am very, very excited to hear um, the, the under the hood <laughs> for this from, from, from you specifically. Um, how how is skin going this way these days um well firstly thank you very much for having me on your on your podcast um yeah it's 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 going very well uh we we've uh probably in a situation now where we have about as much demand as we can sort of cope with and so it's a good problem to have um <laughs> after after you know a fair amount of uncertainty which i think is the case with any startup and so now we're trying to make sure we've got enough people to to be able to do all the things we want to do. I am before we jump into explaining what Kin is, I must say, when I first found out about it, I did my research and I was very lucky to do a live demo um, in Barcelona. And I went in there a bit skeptical. I'm ashamed to say. But I was a bit skeptical. Um, interacting with VR world, interacting with VR technology. Um, I, I like it. I see the potential. Uh, of course, there's a lot happening in the entertainment and education area is not super explored, but going into education and DEI is new. It's extremely new. Um, and I was a bit, why am I so skeptical? And I'll tell you afterwards why I was so skeptical, but let's, let's talk a bit about what Kin is doing, um, at its core and we'll develop a bit. Sure. And very interested to hear about that skepticism because I'm sure you're not the only one. Um, but es essentially, uh, where we come from, so we were founded by, by Mel Slater and Mavi Sanchez Bibes. Mel is one of the most published scientists in virtual reality. He's published 500 papers on virtual reality. Mavi is a neuroscientist and one of the leading neuroscientists in Southern Europe. Um, and, uh, many years ago, they, teamed up and essentially wanted to recreate the rubber hand illusion in virtual reality. So the rubber hand illusion, um, one of these experiments where participants sat at a table with their, with their real hand lying on the table 
and then alongside the real hand was a small barrier and then a rubber hand at the other side of the barrier and participants only see the rubber hand and so when the experimenter starts tapping the real hand and the rubber hand at the same time they have the the, the illusion that the rubber hand is their own hand because they're seeing it being touched and they're feeling the, the the tactile response and so at some point the experimenter takes a hammer smashes the rubber hand and every time the participant screams and pulls their hand away and why is that significant because it because it was able to show that you can have the illusion that something that isn't your body something that mm -hmm. isn't your body feels like it's your body and mel and mavi said why don't we try this in virtual reality so yeah. the virtual arm illusion the exact same experiment but done with a virtual arm and then they and then yes the the results were were, were the same when the virtual hammer threatened the virtual arm and then they said, okay, let's do it with the whole body. Let's see if yeah. we can create the illusion that your whole virtual body is your real body and, and found again the same result. And that's really interesting because if you, I can have the illusion that my virtual body is my own, then I can live in any virtual body and I can have the illusion that it's my own. And so they started off with some studies around um, taking white participants, mm -hmm. putting them in black avatars and measuring unconscious bias so using a harvard implicit association test yeah. or using mimicry and measuring and what they're able to show is by spending time in a body that was part of your out group your unconscious bias reduced and mm -hmm. the more exposures you had the more your bias reduced which is a pretty unique way of, of approaching unconscious bias and, and what we see as the real sort of superpower of virtual virtual reality not just to practice things that you can do in real life but to have experiences that you simply can't have in real life fascinating first of all um having mel and mavi in your corner i find it extremely valuable and i had so many wow moments because you have the research on your website uh, a, a lot of this what they've built what you've built uh, the product and the service on top of it it's there so it's something that it's accessible to anybody today to really understand how did they analyze this and then then combine right the the science of behavior but then also the the vr world and how that can be an enabler um not just a, 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 an environment right it's really an enabler of change um, and this is a bit what we were waiting to see from technology when it comes to um, hr when it comes to corporate work when it comes to leadership when it comes to uh, work environment and inclusive workplaces um so yeah extremely fascinating a lot of wow moments for anybody listening do check out the research on the website it's somewhere there on the top with contact and everything uh, and very easy to to dive in there um charlie for you you've done a lot of different things before how did you end up with kin when where yeah what was your path to be here now yeah Right. Um, so, I mean, it, uh, straight after school or university, uh, I went into investment banking. Um, and I guess uh, I found that environment a little bit stale and quite frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, uh, pretty much lots of people talking about what restaurants they went to the night before uh, <laughs> and not much else. And I think there's also a lot of tension in these environments. It's, it's high stress. People communicate very poorly. People yeah. pass on the stress that they get from their bosses to the people beneath. And you get this sort of like building resentment, 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 very high staff churn. Um, as at some point you say, I can't have enough. And you sort of go out in a ball of fire 
um, expecting people to care and then no one does because the next person comes in. Um, and so I realized that that sort of environment wasn't, wasn't what I wanted. I went to, uh, to do an MBA in Barcelona and that's where I first heard a talk from Mel Slater. And I yeah, heard okay. describing embodiment, um, and, and describing some of the stuff that I, I just introduced and I went home that night to my flatmate and said, I'm going to, I got to work with this man because it, it was, it was something that I completely unique. Yeah. Um, some of it really resonated with me. Uh, and, and, and that was the sort of beginning of the journey. I, I, I don't think I attended many of my lectures in my second year <laughs> of my MBA as I was sort of working with, working with Mel and the founding team, trying to put together a go-to-market strategy and trying to understand how we could commercialize this. Speaking of go-to-market, I've seen a couple of your pilots, um, NHS, um, uh, US prison environment, a lot of different environment where you've tested somehow your theories in practice, I guess. Any particular patterns, highlights that you see, no matter which industry you go? Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, for us, it was... The, the 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 way we sort of determined the the research journey or where we did our pilots was basically proving some element of of, of embodiment and then understanding where what was the next thing to try and to try and crack and so if you think about unconscious bias at the beginning we were dealing with mainly university students and so um, quite a willing bunch of participants essentially. Uh, in Spain, where you have quite a homogenous sort of population. Um, and it was very interesting to see that unconscious bias reduction, but there was a bit more to do to understand, okay, so, uh, you know, can, can this really impact people in a way that can maybe change behavior and change society? Um, and so then there was the work in in the prisons with perpetrators of domestic violence. So people mm-hmm. who had received a suspended sentence um or, or actually put in prison um, for domestic violence offences. And what we were doing there was teaming up with psychologists and letting these male perpetrators go into the body of a female and be on the receiving end of an abusive scene at home. And in that case, you're working with a slightly less willing participant. Um, and what we found was if we could design a scene that was impactful enough, so there's moments where the the the, the male perpetrator in the scene sort of comes quite close into your personal space, then we were consistently seeing the same reaction, which was that people were taking a step back from that avatar. If we were able to truly embody them in that avatar, people were responding in a very natural way. And so what we do is, and we do this throughout all our applications, is you spend some time in a mirror doing some instructions where you're moving and you're mm-hmm. seeing your avatar move in the same way. Um, essentially like synchronized movements um and so what we also found in those studies in domestic violence was we were able to increase emotion recognition in perpetrators domestic violence so if you give an emotion recognition test basically you look at photos of female faces and you have to decide whether they're scared happy angry this type of thing and perpetrators of domestic violence tend to score lower than um, if you took a, a yeah, random a benchmark. Of the population, mm-hmm. a benchmark, right? And what we found was after this experience, their ability to recognize fear increased, which was an interesting prom- uh, proxy for empathy. 
And so after looking at that, we thought, okay, measuring that behavioral change then is, is still quite difficult. And so we went for another population, which was, again, we saw it as a challenging population, which was the US police. And mm-hmm. in the US yeah. police, you've got a population where um, biases through through socialization are present, as they are in all elements of society, but also where there's these biases are are, are, are really front and center on a day-to-day um, basis and involve some elements, sometimes of danger or, 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 or they're, they're really important, right? And what we did with the police was we split them into two groups mm-hmm. and both groups of police officers took part in an interrogation and they interrogated someone from a diverse background. And during the interrogation, your police partner starts to become aggressive and more and more racist as it plays Mm -hmm. out. One of the groups then got to experience the interrogation again from the perspective of the accused. So Mm -hmm. in the skin of the person from a diverse background, experiencing what it felt like to be on the receiving end of that interrogation and seeing their own behavior played back to them. The other group got to experience the scene again so that it was a fair test, but not from the skin not from the skin of the accused. Observer. And what we wanted to see was, is this changing behavior? So we sent them away for three weeks because we wanted to see if this was changing behavior over a period of time. Sure. Brought them back and put them in a simulation where someone from a diverse background was being threatened, being falsely accused of stealing from a wallet whilst waiting mm-hmm. for a coffee. And we measured, are these police officers acting to defend that person? Are they acting as an ally in any way, either yeah. through their movements or through what they're saying? And what we found was um, the, the base group, so the group who hadn't been in the skin of the accused, had a th- 23% probability that they would act as an ally. If they had been in the skin of the accused three weeks previously, that went up to 79%. So there's a huge change yeah. in behavior, like really significant change in behavior. And so... We published that with with um, alongside Google Jigsaw in the MIT Press, and we um, then looked for our next group. And yeah. the next group was, as you mentioned, the NHS. And this was an interesting. This is where we sort of began our journey of making corporate solutions. And what was interesting here is you're dealing with slightly different types of interactions, so it's not as severe as. A, yeah, the impact um, is not a violent the, impact. The, the right? impact, and so it's a little bit different. But we do have a moment where we have Talani, um, uh, who comes from a diverse background, has an afro, mm-hmm. and one of the characters called Rupert or Roops, uh, and, and you would have gone through this, right? Uh, the moment where he reaches over and tries to touch her hair yes. because he thinks there's then that the, tells you a certain amount about, about privilege there and entitlement and various other things. And you see the same response in everyone who does it. Everyone will, will, will lean back away from that hand as it comes into your personal space. And you can give this sort of profound moment where you see this consistent behavior. So yeah. you asked about what are the sort of consistent things you see. And I think where we see the real superpower of virtual reality is the ability to give someone a, a profound experience that sits more like a memory rather than mm-hmm. something I watched or someone something explained to me or, or something I was taught. And, and that's how we believe you get those, those, you increase your chances that this is something that can sit somewhere, somewhere else in the brain that might affect your behavior later on. 
this is amazing and i think the impact is so immediate people will as you as you say it's an experience it's a memory it's like you go on holiday you experience something and then you go home and you tell it to somebody else because it's stuck with you it's not just as you say I, i've just browsed something and i seen something online and that's it it's out of my mind or i've done a bit unbiased training at work and i never talked about it <laughs> to anybody else, right at home or in my in my in my i don't know um, work environment is just check done next next meeting and this is where i think the dynamic really changes the impact of um taking this with you and creating a compound effect on everybody around you even if they don't actually live the same experience they don't do your demo they don't actually have a training they don't go through your library somebody's also going to talk to them about it and mention the change right or at least the awareness the consideration the depth of things which is very different than what we experience today in bias or cultural awareness trainings quite revolutionary and at every level absolutely and and i think so so with with these types of unconscious bias trainings it's really difficult right it's really difficult to to get that sort of empathy piece across, to, to get people to truly understand the lived experience. You get information across. I think you get a lot of information and maybe some experience creation, yes, but... Yeah, yeah. there's a great book called Against Empathy where, mm-hmm. where it talks about the limitations of, of empathy, how, how empathy is biased, essentially. Um, and, and the great example is when you see a school shooting, for example, in the US, and you have this outpouring of support and and a huge amounts of money raised over a short period of time because mm-hmm. parents can imagine very easily what if that was my kid yeah then 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 in nigeria um you know hundreds of hundreds of schoolgirls will get abducted by boko haram yeah. and it, it doesn't feature on on the sort of front pages of the newspaper and that's because we struggle to empathize with that it feels a very long way away wow. um and it's this, the same is true when we're trying to do these types of training and we're trying to talk about office situations and, and trying to explain why something may constitute a microaggression. And it's it's hard to imagine it. And if you yeah. can imagine it, you then got to try and imagine it, internalize it. Then the next time it happens, behave differently. And you're asking a, a lot from people. And so what this tries to do is, is, is remove that requirement for the imagination so people can just experience and, and it's a different type of training in that sense. It's a way of learning something implicitly where it doesn't really matter your age, your IQ. You, you just learn through experience. <laughs> Bringing this closer. It reminds me of a, of, I don't know, a class, I think in eighth grade, 10th grade or something like that. History, we were talking about Aristotle. I'm from Romania and Romania is a Latin country. It's one of the furthest away of the Roman Empire <laughs> and and Greek uh, empires kind of conquests, you will find sites of both cultures. And in Arist- Aristotle, actually, um, initially before <laughs> before the territory was more explored, they were like dragons and mythological creatures there. But ultimately, then you had a lot of like normal marriages between normal people because they were actually just humans in those territories. So bringing that closer constantly and closing the I think the the theory is like concentric circles of imagination, right? Like the closer you are, you see as much as possible of the reality. But the furthest you are, you start imagining imagining the worst, maybe, because you just don't know what's out there. And you're just canceling those distances. That's right. Very interesting. It's still a startup. So I'm sure it's not easy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to hear about that because a lot of our listeners are actually founders themselves, initiators of businesses for good, social impact. They're looking to give birth to ideas that will change how we work and how we live, hopefully. But it's a constant struggle, right? We understand that inclusive entrepreneurship is one of the uh, least invested in. Um, and then there is a certain isolation or loneliness, I think, that comes with just breaking through. Um, how... Yeah, how are you kind of breaking through? <laughs> What's yeah. helping you? Who's with you on this journey? Um, it's it's true. It, it, it is, and it, it can be a massively lonely journey. I think I'm extremely lucky in that I have a I have a very supportive, close family. So so I have a wife and a daughter who don't appear to mind at least when I come home one day elated because we've just won a large contract. And then the next day, uh, sort of completely different person and completely distracted <laughs> because there's some there's some fire to put out. And so I, I'm very lucky with with the support I get um, from those two, and and I try and do my bit to to to, to, to remove myself from work when I can. Um, I have tried to learn some techniques to do that as well. Um, then. I think the 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 point around the, the, there's a riskiness, right, which you have to try and get comfortable with, and, and an uncertainty. I think in our case, we were trying to distill science and and really interesting scientific experiments done with very specific populations, yeah. and convert that into a corporate trading solution. Mm -hmm. And the requirements of the two are quite different. You can have something that works if you test someone. But if the person doesn't enjoy, enjoy the training or doesn't think that certain things happened, then the training might not be worth anything. True. And so for us, I think our, our sort of pivot moment came when we did our NHS pilot last June. And it was really the moment where we were understanding which bits of our science we were able to get into this solution, mm -hmm. how much theory we had to put around diversity and inclusion training in order that people felt like they'd had a meaningful experience, then find the then harvest a huge amount of lived experience data and put something together, put a scenario together that was effective but not triggering or or victimizing or stereotyping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there was a a lot of sort of moments where you have to choose one path or another and then sort yeah. of close your eyes and hope it worked. And as a startup, you don't have You can't make too many wrong, wrong decisions in a row, right? Um, and so the the other thing I think I was really lucky with was having really good um, founders of our business, really supportive founders, scientists who, who are really engaged in Mel, Mavi and Bernhard, um, and then getting partners on board who were willing to invest a lot of time with me, mm -hmm. uh, particularly sort of D&I partners. We worked with someone called Andrew Solanke, who was gave us a huge amount of time. Uh, someone called Zilla Watson, who's who's a, a, a VR expert and a script writer called Liz Rigby, give us way more time than we sort of have money to, to, to pay for, but on the understanding that this was something that, if it worked, could be really good for society. And and we managed to, I think, after a lot of debate, thrash out something. And, and, and when the results from that pilot came back, that it went mm -hmm. down really well, and we had a 97% approval rate and that type of thing, um that was that was i think thanks to the the collective, the collective. minds yeah i mean i can only imagine 
the hardships, even just getting the right people in the conversation, right? And you, you, so in my, in the demo that I've done, um, there's a certain level of care. I would say care, not even quality, but care for the language, for the overall experience. Um, And I think that's something to appreciate. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, it's hard enough to find all these resources, all these people, all the right steps to do. And as you say, not make too many wrong decisions in a row. But I'm curious from your perspective, your personal perspective, was there anything particularly harder that you estimated? I always like overestimate something. I'm always like, yes, I can do this, I can do that. And then I'm like, no, actually, I don't know. (laughs) Or actually, this doesn't work like this. Uh, I have a lot of actually moments. What was your actually? (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean... Many, I think. I think the even when we did our piece, so we had these different bits of science, right? We had the domestic yeah. violence work. We had we even had work on stroke rehabilitation. So Mavi had done work showing that you can take someone who's who's had a stroke, who's got very poor mobility or motricity or or, or high spasticity in their in their upper extremity, so not being mm-hmm. able to use their hand, for example. Yeah. Um, put them in VR and their virtual arm moves perfectly. They associate the virtual arm as their own and over five weeks on, on our system regained like significant ability in their arm. And this was in, in, in a couple of cases, three years after a stroke where their, where their progress had sort of flatlined. So mm-hmm. we had some big questions to take around. Are we going to go into healthcare? Are we going to, we had yes. stuff with chronic pain, domestic violence, this, and we decided that, to maximize scale, the corporate opportunity was the one to do. Um, and I think the I think what we underestimated is um, is how difficult it was to find uh, a script and 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 a way of teaching this that was mm-hmm. fair to to various parties, that was representative to some degree, that avoided falling into traps of stereotypes, mm-hmm. um, and. And and, th- and that I think was really challenging, and the way we managed it, I I got very lucky with the people I was collaborating with. Mel had a, a with his reputation had had this ha- had this Big contact Zilla, mm-hmm. who who really is as good as it gets in virtual reality. Our scriptwriter um, also an, an incredible person, and so we were able to 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 to, to benefit from from their brains but what i understood is that i'm probably maybe my only ability is to be able to pull people together and persuade them to do something <laughs> without offering them that much in return um and and when i was most effective was when i removed my brain from the work having done that and understood that it was it was in the brains of people together where where i could have most value that is so 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 interesting actually because ultimately this will con- this will get harder so workforces are so diverse within themselves the job profiles the type of work is being done where the work is being done a generational but then you add other dimensions disability uh, gender identity you add nationalities and those minorities in different countries in uk you will have certain minorities in spain you will have some other minorities and the interaction and the dynamic and the history is going to be completely different so i am just fascinated by the 
richness of the library you will have. I know you're building through this um, and I know you're building through a couple of different things. And I want to maybe also um, touch a bit on that. What's next for Kin? What's, yeah. What should we see in the next year? Yeah, so years? I think there's, there's the one piece which is around looking at different protected characteristics and, yeah. and raising people's awareness in the same way that our existing module does where, where, where you're getting to experience sort of microaggressions um, from a new perspective. And so using using that formula and then being able to experience them as a bystander and jump in and act as an ally and try and practice those types of um those types of behaviors um but i think there are some qualities there are some skills some soft skills that have been very well developed in in leadership literature and leadership mm-hmm. training um and there's some wonderful books out there things like on things like vulnerability where you can manage situations even if you don't have a, a great cultural understanding of all the elements at play mm-hmm. if you're able to effectively manage conflict or effectively manage communication or as a boss demonstrate vulnerability rather than lapsing into what you think a boss should oh, yeah. maybe behave like and so mm-hmm. that's where we want to we want to go into a bit and, and just teach skills that no matter the situation you're able to apply them and but but still using the key superpowers of virtual reality right so yeah teaching these skills being able to leave your body go into the body of someone else see how you did respond to yourself go deeper in things like self-conversations and and try and find a more profound way to teach these skills i think the other thing is we're seeing uh great advances in ai um and there's an opportunity to have really personalized learning journeys in a way that previously would have cost thousands and thousands of pounds with with access to coaches and actors and this type of thing. And now these types of set this this type of coaching can be recreated really effectively in VR. And and that's also very exciting. I love that. And I love the fact that you're while you are rooting all this in behavioral science, you are talking about learning skills. Right? It's all about upgrading your skill portfolio, even if they're called vulnerability or empathy or <laughs> communication, right? It's not whatever, I don't know, f- financial forecasting. Uh, <laughs> but it's a skill. And that that is, uh, that is a conversation actually a lot in my world where uh, it's a skills-based economy. And some brains, some people disconsider the let's say the classical I'm, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here for those listening uh, of soft skills, right? Like these are not, these are skills. These are skills that are going to make your business better. These are skills that are going to make your people more uh, engaged, happier, productive, um, but also creative and innovative and welcoming, right? To new ideas, which is, I, th- I think where we're trying to get. Yeah. And I think, I think people have been talking about soft skills for quite a while. Um, and when AI was a more nebulous concept than it is now, people were saying, you know, in the future, what we're going to have left is soft skills. Um, but now we really see what these large language model chatbots can do. And I think we're starting to understand, I think over the course of this year, you're going to see loads of, of, of new yeah. AI-powered um uh software that can replace a lot of what we currently do and you talked about financial forecasting like this type of stuff um and i I think we're actually seeing that we're seeing some of these more hard skills um becoming 
if not obsolete, much easier to do, easier much faster. quicker. Sure, yeah. Um, and then what do we have left? Um, uh, and, <laughs> I mean, that's probably a complete human skills. Complete human skills. Let's complete call complete them human skills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Charlie. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I am going to p- already put. Uh, in your calendar 12 months from now every 12 months uh, at least <laughs> i want to have you here <laughs> because um i am very confident that kin is going to grow um i am very confident that uh, it's just I, I i feel in technology is a bit like this we use you you have uber and then you have 16 other very similar platforms so watch out for competition i guess whenever you're you're breaking ground <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's good. I think the world needs more kin. That's that's definitely what I'm thinking of. Um, and uh, I I really hope that your family will cope with the ups and downs <laughs> and you're going to give the time, but ultimately um, have that opportunity to really change at scale how we work, how we create uh, relationships together, whether they are professional and beyond, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I think we do need we need a, a lot more of that in the world. So um, if if we have a bit of competition, I think we're still in the part with with VR where a, you know a rising tide uh, raises all the boats. And um, yeah, it'll only it'll only encourage us to make to make better and better stuff. So um, yeah, we welcome that. And thank You're you. You're here so for it. For, Thank you so much for for, for for your for inviting me on your podcast and I'd, I'd love to come back in 12 months time. Thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode. You are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice and don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care. <laughs>